All around the world, poverty is stealing choices from kids. It's time to give those choices back. Introducing Chosen, World Vision's new invitation to sponsorship. For the first time, kids have the power to choose their own sponsors. Now the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future. And even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Learn more at worldvision.org slash chosen. But now you can hear us. Okay, so we were just talking about sleep. All that fun stuff. You didn't lose me. I'm still here. What, you can't hear me? I can hear you. Your your headphones are all fucked up, Jazza G. That's what the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's see. We we're talking about sleep, and he was saying that he you can't you can like drop a bomb on him and he would still be asleep previously, but now yeah. he He sat there just blowing me straight up out the bed. You know, you know. Damn it. Yeah, not me. Um I'm one of those people who will get into thought spirals too in the middle of the uh, night. Yeah, I know all about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh this is why I started reading National Geographic and not like Facebook or anything. Um, I I turn off all like computer stuff. Like, I give myself at least 15 minutes like in the dark. Like when I go I go upstairs to get ready for bed. I just like leave the lights off, like everything off, and I get my eyes adjusted to be being pitch black and I'm like yeah. Just deep breathing, you know, just getting ready for it. It's kind of yeah. messed up how in a, as an adult, you still have to have like rituals to get you to bed, you know? Yeah, that, that, that'd be a good one. But I also, um, it doesn't matter if I've adjusted to the dark and I'm like just laying there. I've been known to just lay there with thought spirals for hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my brain's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and sometimes they're not even like spirals. Sometimes it's just that it doesn't shut the fuck up in there. Like, do you remember and, the time in third grade when that kid looked oh, at you? Oh, your audio is all weird. Your now. microphone's garbage now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, keep your opinions to yourself, bastard. No, <laughs> I'm just going to dom you the entire episode. <laughs> no. No, don't do that. I like you guys. Oh, my God. Speaking of like not consent, um, the guy who basically in, that invented modern advertising and he he coined the term manufacture, manufactured consent and then like wrote this whole thing in his book called Propaganda um, that like it's really the wise men who can manufacture consent that are really swaying the tides of society and 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 then was like, and then he thought he was a good guy. Um, he was also um, party to genocide, so that's cool. That's Holy cool. crap! Uh, the Nazis, the Nazis really liked his his stuff and his methods. Um, but then he was just like, ah, you know, good ideas they can be used badly. Um, but yeah, the, the genocide he was directly party to was. Um, the Mayan genocide from the banana wars in oh geez yeah Southern America <sighs> super cool you guys should really you're coming in better now yeah you're coming through better now yeah two partner yeah. behind the bastards because to- like cool yeah. uh he was, a, he was your very typical woke guy for his time <laughs> he was very much a feminist when it was useful. Um, so he like didn't let his wife take his last name, claiming like she didn't want to. Yeah. And um, but then like like oh he claimed he said that housewives should be paid by their husbands because they're doing real labor. And I'm like, okay. And then he his wife was his business partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still expected her to like keep the home and raise the kids and work full time with him. Jeez. Yeah. His daughters thought he was a real piece of shit. They're like, yeah, he wasn't really a feminist. He's, and the reason he's talking to you and say, like saying that your criticisms are valid is you're flattering him because like, look how woke he is now in the 1990s. You see, like he was just, he was your typical woke guy. Hey guys, give me one sec. I got to go off camera for a second. I hear something. Uh, I need to go take care of this. Can you guys keep the conversation going just for a couple minutes? I'll be right back. Sure. 
No. You don't mind me, do you? <laughs> so, can, uh, yeah. I saw something the other day that I, I, I could hear. I don't know if you want to call it the little shoulder angel Felicia or something. <laughs> it just made me think of you. And it's like, uh, there are some people talking about trying to make the word incel uh, offensive, using it against someone offensive as a derogatory or racial slur. I'm like, what type of goddamn question is that? If you're a douchebag and you're a douchebag, this <laughs> Yeah, you can't use it's not a slur. First of all, it's not a slur. If right. with it, like, well, they didn't come up with it, but if like you've self called your, if you've called yourself that forever, and then other people are like, ha, it's dumb, and then they're like, well, now it's a slur when you say it. it's the same thing with turfs. Turfs are trying to do the same thing, claiming that like it's a slur to call them a turf when it's like you guys came up with the name. I was like, I could imagine going up to a neo-Nazi and saying, "You're a Nazi," and they say, "Oh, I'm offended." That's what you are, asshole. That's what you I are. I don't care if you're offended. I don't care if you see this as an insult because I mean it is one. So. Right. But it's not, it's, we're not, it's not like you're black and we're calling you an ugly term or you're any other, you know, ethnicity. Yeah. It's no, you're a trash piece of human because of these beliefs, you know, that are a detriment to society. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't don't buy what they're selling. Don't don't buy into respectability politics. First of all, politics has never been respectable. That's a lie. That's a lie in order to keep people from actually wanting to address anything. Like, I'm sorry, but respectability politics, and yet, you know, we send people like you to fight wars that have nothing to do with freedom, but everything yeah. to do with capitalist interest. Talk to me about respectability politics there. Like that's not that's not respectable. That's not peaceful. No, respectability politics is like don't make me feel bad for supporting a bad idea. Right. <laughs> I can't stand that shit. No, and it, it, it's it's and odd I'm, because while I'm proud of my service to this country, I'm not proud that I did participate in a war that was. Well, it wasn't your choice. That's not how it works. True. I and and I know and. The thing is, is that I conducted myself honorably. I didn't kill civilians. I didn't, you know, I didn't rape and murder a village. You know, I which we do know has happened with the U.S. soldiers in the Middle East, like right, and has happened recently. You know, it's, it's this isn't like something that happened way back when. This is, you know, there's been numerous cases where this shit has happened. It's like, but that I wasn't a part of that. But then I kind of have the same guilt. It's like you're talking with a, a Catholic and it's like, well, you know, the Catholic church does this. Yeah. But I'm not that Catholic. I feel like I don't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> well, I think it's a little bit different um, because there's no contract keeping you in the Catholic church. <laughs> um, I mean, there is in the sense that like, they're afraid they're going to go to hell. Um, but it's, it's not quite the same as like the socioeconomic factors that send people into war. Right. I could go to prison for not following orders. Right. Yeah, you're not going to prison yeah. in the Catholic Church. There's and um just I mean the fact that poor people are more likely to join the, the armed forces and yeah. yeah. How I had to pay for my school. And and the real fun is if Catholics you have to sometimes face excommunication and having the sacraments withheld if you don't both the way certain people want you to want certain things like a uh, woman's right to choose. I don't see how they could do that. Like, I don't see how they can know that. Like the priest can't deny you sacrament. If you walk up there and it's like, well, you like, oh. I know you voted this way. I don't see how they would be able to enforce. Oh, they, they did that to Senator Casey in Pennsylvania. Oh, Oh, well, okay. I guess they, I guess it was more popular. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like if they're like, if it was me, they could deny me the sacrament. If the priest was like, I saw Utah outcast, and I'd be like, give it to me. <laughs> give me my bread. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Treat I actually would. The wafer. I would totally still take the sacrament because, like, by my very taking it, it's profaning it, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so I would totally do it. I just would have to sit through mass, and that would just be the worst. 
I remember growing up in Pentecostal church and they said that if you went up there to take communion or when they gave mm-hmm. communion, if your heart was not right, you could possibly die. <laughs> the Lord would actually strike down because it came along that the, the Bible story about the couple that lied in church and they dropped dead because they lied about tithes. No, I don't remember that. There, there is a story oh, yeah. somewhere in there where they had lied, where they didn't tell the truth about money in the church and they dropped dead. I'm going to have to find it. And, you know, it might have been one of those stories that they tell you and you never look up. Because I guarantee that's things. what it is because I, I, I mean, I went to Catholic school. I really didn't get, I would, I, I didn't get the craziest stuff. Um, I had some pretty regular teachers for the most part because like, you know, it's school. So I didn't, I didn't go to like one of the worst Catholic schools out there. Um, so for me, my Catholic experience was like, fine. <laughs> I did. I didn't fit in well though. I didn't fit in well. Go to Lagali or why? <laughs> I had a lot of questions. It doesn't it work just, well in Catholic school. It was funny that anytime I did have a question, I was told by multiple pastors I was too smart for my own good. And I'm kind of taking as a compliment, you know, then I was like, oh, you're calling me smart. But then it's like, no, for the simple fact I'm still in, it makes me stupid because I'm not. I, you know, I didn't until about four or five years ago start really researching all these questions I had. I just took the password. Obviously, I was wrong because obviously I was doubting God. And that's my sin. I have to, of course, yeah. I have to have faith because faith explains, you know, the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little horse bucking. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all manipulative bullshit. Um, yeah, it's toying with your emotions and your your ability, like to it, it's gaslighting in many ways. It's yeah, it's just it's it's, it's a real funny thing. because it, it it took my and I love this term human information collection is what the military calls interrogators. It took that training for me to really realize how badly I was being manipulated, how much I had been manipulated. Jesus. Yes. And when you start, when you compare the shit that they teach you as 90, you know, as, as a, you know, as an interrogator, and then you look at what the church does, you're like, holy crap. I mean, it's, it's, it's very similar to a lot of the tactics. It's messed up. It I, is. Yeah, I got out. I mean, I wasn't a Catholic by the time I was 12. Well, that's not true. No, I still believe when I was 12. Um, that's when I started experimenting with paganism though. And so like, by the time I was 14, I was not a Catholic anymore. Um, and then by the time I was 16, I was a full blown pagan. Um, and yeah, then, uh, by the time I was about 18, 19 or so, I don't even, I started, that's, that's when I really started like becoming, to become an atheist atheist. I don't even remember you know, when I suddenly, like when I realized I was an atheist or when I started calling myself that, like, I have no idea when that moment was for me. Oh, I I know when that moment was for me. That was when I was in starting in college, the campus crusade for Christ and rented every hall and every night they were doing their shtick. And that was right when the religious right was starting to come into power and Falwell and all that other crap. And right then I said, come on, this is this is bull feathers. This is bull BS. It's and and especially when they started showing some of these films, like there there's one uh Don't Be Left Behind and then they 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 were even showing it like it in other areas of, of um the, the campus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a this thing where the UN was the, was going to be the world order. Everybody was going to have six 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 tattooed in their heads. And yes, yeah, coming yes. from I watch god awful movies. I'm familiar tracks. with Left Behind. Yes. And now, Joseph, you might remember this. I, I was just reading this because I saw a post of it on one of my dad's friends that I, for some reason, rented. Um, 
and it was oh, it was a ninety-seven two eighty public law ninety-seven two ninety-two no ninety-seven two eighty, and it was uh, Ronald Reagan declaring that the Bible was you know the the book of the country that it was you know the country's religion was Christianity. And he posted that up there. And so I sat there and I started doing all type stuff. And like the first Google was the fact or fiction. It's kind of like the uh, friend of Snopes, if you will. And like, yeah, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, that was that was around 1982, 83. Yes. Yes. And the main pusher of that was old Jim Jim Watt. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah. You know, I gotta say, I was fortunate. My family has never been like that kind of religious. I was really quite fortunate. We were deep in the satanic. Oh, oh, please. Oh, please. No, go, go. If, even before in the oh, early oh. 80s, I can still remember when I came to California and I was living with my grandma, my aunt insisted that I had to watch Christian television. And sure enough, they brought the backward masking on with the guys who were first. He's playing the records back, and you're supposedly hearing uh, the Stairway to Heaven was like the number one. It was like, my sweet Satan. Yeah, and it's like, no. Oh, oh, but let's take it to the next level. When I had when I had to go to her Four Square Church, Amy Semple McPherson, who was a crook, and then the pastor even said that it was laid upon his heart. I, if you listen to the Mr. Ed theme backwards, it said Satan is served by this song. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm serious. No, this this shit is real. My mother I, did that. Yes. I adore I, you guys. I think I think this you're fantastic. But I gotta say, um Behind the bastards. Yeah, you were at a loss for words, Felicia. No, no, I just want you to know, I mean this with all love in my heart, but Behind the Bastards this week said, like, I feel like a lot of history's problems would have been solved if people weren't so fucking stupid. Like, yeah, I know, I know. Look, my mother, <laughs> after some rigmarole came on, and, and it's different, it, it is different sources. One said they said it on the um, uh, Rachel show or whatever her name was, and then one said it on Oprah, and this was in the 90s, that Procter & Gamble, the CEO of Procter & Gamble, oh, that, 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 when they that said was that, my mother, we would not buy any Procter & Gamble. So no Crest toothpaste, no Jif peanut butter. I mean, just banned everything that was Procter & Gamble. Yeah, that, a that lot of problems that used to be for themselves. I'm sorry, yeah. but your mother doesn't was, sound like that smart of a woman. Well, it's just that was back in the, 19, or in the early 80s. And in fact, Procter & Gamble had to give Jerry Falwell something like a quarter of a million dollars for him to come out and say that it was a fraud. Yeah. But even then, even oh then, man! So it was a con. It was a con. Yeah, it was yeah. a way to just roll money back into the rich folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Falwell was paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year as to be a consultant for Procter and Gamble. Awesome. Yeah, it's, I really wish I had no scruples, you guys. Like, I don't know. I just like I just, but I can't contain this hoe. Like this hoe cannot be contained by. So cannot be money. <laughs> but like that's where the money is, is in the Christian right. Yeah. You know, like the Christian fascist, that's where the money is. And like if I didn't have scruples and if there didn't need to be this much hoe contained, like <laughs> how much hoe there, Felicia, just how much? <laughs> how much? About 155 pounds worth. <laughs> oh, love but every remember. But but remember, it's tax free, folks. It's tax exempt. You can live. I'm that sorry, place. but there is this, this bill is too powerful. Tax exempt is not enough to contain her. You oh, know, Felicia, I know for a fact that if you just did not give a damn, you could be probably as powerful as Joyce oh, Meyer or Kim. Sure I know you could make all that money. I used to be into I, prostitution and sex and Satanism and wicked. And the Lord opened my eyes, and you just there you go. Hold on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to be an atheist. I used to be an atheist, and I was oh, I was 
pagan and I did witchcraft. And I'm telling you, I, I had a dream one night. I had a vision from Jesus and he came to me and he showed me the way. And now I'm here to share that with all of you and hopefully bring more people to Jesus because his love has overwhelmed me. And there is nothing that I won't do for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise him. Yeah, now, Felicia, remember, you got to start talking in tongues, too. I don't need to do that. That one will be later on. You, you, you got you to gotta build up the suspension. No, 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 no. The ones talking in tongues don't make the most money. Like, let's be honest. We're talking some good YouTube Christians here. We're oh. talking, like... Oh, Robert, you I don't know. No, Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Copeland, the he and who was it? Was it Oral Roberts? It was, it was yes. Kenneth Copeland and another one. They were talking in tongues with each other. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Is that still going on? I don't feel like that's as big a thing. Oh, speaking in tongues is big, darling. Speaking oh, in tongues yeah. is real big, especially down here in the South. And it doesn't just happen in Pentecostal churches. And it's also like in the four square churches and uh, sem- in the assemblies of God, too. Yes, big time. <laughs> And then, and then Cenegossi, and I am embarrassed to say that I was caught up in all of it too. I, I know you were. I know. I don't actually think you're stupid. Like, I don't no, no, no. I, I just I know now that again I said it was, and you said it's manipulation. It's manipulation. Yeah. I can't um, tell you how many thousands of dollars we gave in tithes every year. And I can tell you one of the most profound spiritual experiences in my life was singing piano man during the billy joel concert with the entire stadium that's awesome yeah it was really cool um but i had this realization about like how manipulative that is that is to sing in a group Mm -hmm. and have this shared experience and have this moment of connection where you're not just yourself now you're a part of something bigger and better than you could ever be by yourself and that's it's a beautiful thing it's also very, very easily used to manipulate and control people. And that's really an unfortunate thing. And like, that's, I mean, the reason I became a pagan, like is still in me. Like a lot of those, like those things still live there. I just don't believe it's literally magic anymore. Um, but like a lot of the values and the, the deference towards uh, things that create those experiences in you and, and how they should be responsibly celebrated and used uh, are still there. And, I, and I, it really makes me sad. That, that and the cute kitties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it really makes me sad because, um, yeah, having these big moments like that where they're, you're so full of these really wonderful emotions and you feel connected to something it's kind of the only way I can get there is mushrooms nowadays. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, I can get, I have had many spiritual experiences, not on mushrooms, but that is the easiest way to recreate. That. But it's stuff like that, that can cause, you know, like I know you've seen Benny Hand where he's sitting there and swinging his jacket and everybody fall out in the oh. spirit. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. And those it's hilarious to watch now, but back then, you know, again, I can remember, you know, he's an old praise God. That's just, it, you feel the spirit in that. And I'm like, yeah, now no, that's just a load of horse money. <laughs> no, but like I said, it, it is. That's why I love like watching Queen concerts because you can see how everybody's just loving every bit of it. Mm-hmm. But when you can have yeah. someone powerful as Freddie Mercury, you know, do that. Yeah, it's that slain in the spirit stink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's something else. What is with the blood worship, guys? Like, that's when I bathed in the blood of christ and slain in the spirit like guys this is a death cult. <laughs> well and that's the thing is that they believe that you know the, there was something holy about the blood and it, you know it, it cleanses everything and washes away everything they believe that right. somebody believed that the blood itself he was healing because uh-huh. of, uh like the the roman centurion longinus uh-huh. eye issues and they got the blood spray in his eyes and all of a sudden he could see and that's how he knew. That's that gross. God. That's gross and gross. That's gross. But and that's, that's just what they do. Yeah, and it's, it's, part of. it's a death cult. I'm it, it is. It really is. It is, yeah. is worshiping the death of someone. And I mean, yes, crucifixion is the way to die. 
crucifixion was a horrible way to die. Oh, yeah, no, not a good one. But I honestly think because of when you research crucifixion and the ways the Romans were, while they were cruel, they were very methodical. They, I think, honestly, throughout the crucifixion story in the Bible, they definitely embellished. It was like, look what he did for you. You know, it's like it definitely plays on guilt. Well, yeah, I think that's more the interpretation rather than the Bible itself, because the Bible describes quite a bit of horrific acts uh, alongside that one. And it's not like, um, you know, when when these when the Gospels were being compiled or anything like people weren't intimately familiar with other brutal ways to go. Right. Um, Public execution was a thing and there was worse ways to be tortured to death. well, it wasn't, but it was like the flogging. Ordering was a like thing. That. Yeah, but it was like the floggings, and they said that he was beaten beyond all recognition and all that. Yeah. Those type of the things. The crown of thorns. Right. Those yeah. things they done. They were literally. They were usually just hung up on a cross. They had their legs broken, and they were lay. They were left there to suffocate and die. While that is gruesome. That there's no reason to believe it was a T-shaped cross, but there's actually more. Right. Yeah. That was X-shaped. Right. Because it's easier to erect an X than it is yeah, anything it's easier else. To erect it and get a person on it. Aha, X. Correct you. But you're into weird, some weird shit, man. I gotta say. I am. I really am. I, I was on a live stream, uh, hanging. It was the patron live stream for uh, Objectively Subjective the other night, and I brought up glass ass, and the, like nobody had heard of it. And I'm like, oh, well, let me let me bring no, out the. God damn it! You're the worst. Why I am the worst. <laughs> Why do you do? Why are you like this? Why do I, I do this show? <laughs> because you love everybody. <laughs> because I really am just a normal family guy, but I have this this really bad side to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm great. Hang on one sec. Oh, no. Just like my hoe can't be contained. His weird can't be contained. It's dark. <laughs> That's why oh, we ended up on the same show together. Oh, I hate to say, I'm pretty. There, there are times when I am at work and I have to take a call from one of my coworkers, where the caller is really having a stupid attack that that my evil, like as James Brown would say, my bad side would come out. And uh, no, I mean, it was last week. This 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 idiot was on the phone just screaming at one of my. One of the ladies in the office saying that he want he wanted to talk to Q, and he was, he was going on and going on. He was on the back, back burn. Yeah, he wanted to talk to Q, like yeah. John Delancey Q. Yeah. No, like no, no, went no. on Q. Went on. Oh, oh hey, see, hey. I'm a Trekkie. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Hey, but both of us are Trekkies there. This jazz awesome. yeah, Just remember, most Trekkies are not buying in. Like, you're not going to find a lot of, like, overlap with people who really like the utopian, uh, fully automated luxury gay space communism that is Star Trek and are also QAnon people. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. But... to be a more communist uh, or fascist. Yeah, not fascist, uh, communist. Yeah. Fascist yeah, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers was fascist. Right. There we go. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, Star Trek is, I mean, it's not like they explicitly call themselves communists because why at that point, you know, they don't have money. It is a federation after all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, well, I mean, doesn't that just mean like they're combined? Like, yeah, a conglomerate all under one president. President. Yeah. Oh, okay. I could, I could really nerd the hell out on Star Trek. I'm sorry. You were talking no, no, about no. That's great. But like, basically, when people tell me, like, I'm like, what would communism even look like? When I was first learning about, it, they're like, big Star Trek, moneyless, classless. Yeah. 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 Everything is provided to you. I mean, if you yeah. think of the technology, you know, you got, uh, um, you got replicators that can make anything. Yeah. You know, fully automated luxury case. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the game sounds fucking great. It sounds fantastic. I don't understand why people are so opposed. Oh, the argument I got this week was well, because when people have attempted to do communism, their rate at killing people was much higher than capitalism, so it's bad. And I said, one, that hundred million number is incorrect. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, okay, 
I was like, I, 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 one example I used was like, we can't count numbers used in North Korea as communist numbers because that's also, they also call themselves a democratic republic. And we're not going to use those numbers again, like the death toll of demo, dem, dem, democratic republics. Like you yeah. can't do that. <clears throat> and there is a death toll for democratic republics too. Okay. What's hilarious is that his father is still technically the head of the state, even though he's dead. So I don't think that's like true. A, no, no. It, it is. He's he's what the secretary of the state now. Huh. Like Kim Jong Un is the secretary of the state, even though he's dead. So huh. it's like well, there, okay. So here's the thing: is there's a lot of misinformation that Westerners get about North Korea. Like he never poops. Right. Um, it turns out those are actually from South Korean satire news sites, and a lot of a lot of American journalists pick them up and think that they're like legit reports because they don't bother to check. And so, yeah, like a lot of the things that we get out of North Korea are like mm, that's not really how it, it's way worse. And they're huge basketball fans. Yes, yes, they are. That's why Dennis Rodman went over. Yeah. Um. But like, um, I like communism. One hasn't systematically killed anyone because communism, as the political philosophy, has never existed. Certainly, it's based on different societies and things that have had that have existed. But we can't necessarily say they're exactly communism, right? Um. So the the economies of the USSR and Mao China were socialist attempts. Um, but like there has been several self-sustaining strong socialist revolutions and or elections, like you just elect socialists and you actually start getting socialism. Biggest problem with that has been that um, the US or other capital interests usually uh, goes in and just Institutes a dictator, so super cool. <gasps> yeah, well, the U.S. is uh, very, very known for coming up with some of the strangest parties, such as the Dixocrat. That was oh fun. yes, the Dixocrat. This is, this is a love child of the Republicans to prove that they're not the racists, right? Yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah, like we're not the racist. I'm mean, like, it's not like the Democrats aren't racist. They are. Uh, and looking like when George Wallace went up for presidency, yep. how like Alabama nearly fell over themselves to elect this man. And it's like, damn. Is out, it, it, and you realize when you start looking at all this, you realize just how fucking racist the South is. Yeah. Because yeah. that's why they voted for him. They didn't vote for him because he was Democrat. They voted for him because he won was a it Jaffa, Were you talking to me about maintaining their their... Um, basically, they're slave and owner class, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I know that. So in, that's. I know in 1845, the Baptist Convention broke apart, and that's where the Southern Baptists came from, because they still and correctly, you know, identified that slavery is condoned by the Bible. It's Exodus 21, and and further it is. on, yeah, it is. So, and that's one of the main reasons why they broke off. And when you tell a Southern Baptist this. You might as well just tell them you're saints because they're not listening to anything after that. Because it wasn't oh, the Baptists that broke apart. It was the Methodists, it was the Presbyterians, and it was the Lutherans that even had broken apart in northern and southern practice. And they did that between like the 1840s and the mid-1850s. They all broke into pieces. Yeah. But I don't want to pretend like someplace like here in Utah isn't just shockingly racist. It's just that they do a better job of like hiding it from other white people. Right? Well, that's only because the Mormons finally did allow black people into their church in the yeah. yeah, not until 1978. Yeah, sure. um, but it's more than that. Um, so my dad moved here in the 70s, I want to say, from New York, and um, he'd also lived in Florida. And uh, he was kind of a pot smoking hippie, but not political, you know, like just Democrat, like his whole family. Um, but he said he moved here and like he 
be hanging out with people. Uh, and the black population was even much lower here, right? Like, and they would, you know, constantly be using the N word and they talk about how terrible black people are. My dad actually said to him, he's like, how do you know you don't have any here? <laughs> like, like he was just like, but he's like, the thing is, like, that's not that long ago. That racism, that virulent open racism didn't go away. They just knew they weren't supposed to sound like that anymore. And the racism is still really brutal here. It's really sad because, um, like my black friends, you know, they, they, they've had some real struggle moments. Like they've had some real, uh, and then there's ones that are kind of funny. Like when I was out, uh, playing pool and drinking at a bar with a black friend and, um, him and I were just hanging out and, uh, this guy comes over and he goes, uh, actually, no. Okay. So there's two stories in this. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I just had another, this was a gentleman caller come visit me here in Salt Lake. And he also laughed. and, um, hadn't really thought about it too much, but he came and we, he wanted to get some Gatorades. So we went to a gas station in like the middle of the night and, um, not, not in the middle of the night, but later. And there wasn't a place to park. So I just kind of like let him out and kind of drove around the block for a second. But then I did find a place to park and I see him at the cash register and there is a white guy chatting his ear off and I can see the smile, the, uh-huh. No, no. Yeah, that smile. And he's like, yeah, like what the uh, fuck is wrong with you people here? And I was like, I am so sorry. I should not have let you go in there by yourself. I'm sorry. Um, and so like this white guy was being a weirdo. And then the next, like a couple of nights later, we were going out to a club together. And the Uber driver, um, we him and I, he was Asian. So him and I get laughing about kind of how racist people are here. Uh, and I said, guarantee you, no, you help me out to the driver. Uh, some white guy is going to walk up to him tonight and say, Hey, I'm not racist, but, and the driver goes, uh, can I ask you a question or some very stupid thing from there? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the driver goes, Oh, that is most definitely going to happen. <laughs> so my friend's like, Fuck, are you kidding me? Um, so I'm telling this story to, I'm back at the bar now with the friend we, we were shooting pool and we'd just been outside and it was, I was smoking. And I told him this story about my friend who'd come to visit me. And so we go back in, we're playing some more pool. Lo and behold, white guy walks up <laughs> out of the goddamn blue. And he goes, Hey, hey I'm not racist, but can I ask you a question? And we make eye contact because we had literally just been talking about this five minutes before. And he goes, Okay. And I walk around the table. I've got like my predator shoes on now. I'm just like, there. So he goes, uh, well, Are you guys a couple? And he goes, We're friends, um, which we were. And he goes, Oh, okay. But is it like being hard? Is it hard to be in like an uh, interracial couple in Utah? And we both just stopped. And I look this guy down in the eyes and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Go on. Because it's not like he's going to start some shit with me, right? Not with a large black man there. Uh, <laughs> but if he said that, then there could be shit started, right? But he's not going to start shit with me. So I'm like, hi, fuck off. <laughs> and so like he starts going on this rant to the whole bar. Like, who does this? Who walks up and asks these personal questions? We were literally just talking about this. And that is the most benign racism you'll get in Utah because it gets far worse from there. But that's a good story about what it's like to be black in Utah. Well, I know. I know that when I was in in high school, there was a, a young black woman that I wanted to date. Very sweet, very smart, very beautiful. And, you know, Trying to keep, try to be that good son, keep my parents involved. I went to my mom and I said, Hey, there's someone I'd like today. This is who she is. My mom's like, Cool, by all means. And she's like, But I didn't think you need to talk with your dad, too. And that was a mistake. Uh oh. So I went to my dad and I said, You know, dad, there's someone I want to date. And he says, Oh, well, awesome. Who is she? And I, and I tell him, and he's like, 
I think I know her is like, you know, describe her. And I described her. And of course, the last thing, because that's usually the last thing that's really on my mind when I'm describing someone is that she's black. Yeah. And my father, he like all of the, you know, all, all, all of the emotion kind of drains from his face because at first he was kind of excited, you know, yeah, you know, he's you know, talking to me, you know, because my father and I had a, a strained relationship. He pulls out the Bible. He begins to use scripture to tell me that we are supposed to stay to our own kind. She is your kind. That we are I mean, supposed to, we're supposed to stay to our own tribes, our own kind. And that we are, you know, that, that doing that would be a disgrace in the family. Wow. Same thing that happened was, with me. That was one of the only times I nearly like, came to fisticuffs with my father. Now, granted, my father would have kicked my ass. My, you know, my father was still a very, very fit police officer. He'd have beat the shit out of me. But I came real close. And my mom sat there and almost about picked me up and took me to my room. And she was smaller than I was. She's like, no. <laughs> Do not try and die on this hill. She's like, sorry, I had a bad feeling this is going to happen. But part of it is because your grandfather, very racist. My grandfather won't be afraid to drop the N-word in the middle of Walmart. And I'm like, Grandpa, you're going to get a shot. That's not nice to say. I don't give a damn. I served in Nam. I can do whatever I want. Okay, Grandpa, you're going up in the uh, The entitled people. The entitled generation. Yeah, the entitled, the, the me, me, me generation, if you ask me. The same um, thing happened with me. I got. I have a my girl. My girlfriend at the time was black, and uh, we made the fatal mistake one time of uh, my phone rang and Deidre answered it, and it was my Bible pumping aunt. And when Deidre answered it, my aunt decided to um, unleash Bible verses, and she cursed him. She cursed Dietra out. She used the N-word with her. And then I grabbed the phone. I grabbed the phone. And I just, I gave her both barrels. I said, from now on, I'm never talking to you again. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You can take your racism and you can use it as a suppository. Now, I'm being nice when I say (laughs) it as a suppository. (laughs) Stick it up your ass. Well, (laughs) I was trying to, I was trying, I I didn't want to get you demonetized, fella. But um, no, I never what? talked to my aunt after that. Fucking dude. Fuck, fuckity fuck shit. <laughs> I took And there she is reciting all these Bible verses yes. about you no know, race me and the curse of curse of ham and all yes. this other yes. all this other horse feathers. <laughs> but you know what's crazy, right? Is that the Bible didn't consider like black people a different kind that's not what it meant that no. like that concept didn't exist yet like was, it was gentile really yeah exactly like but they've also traced that a number of like the tribe of dan were in ethiopia that's yeah, what i was gonna some, say <laughs> no ethiopia has some of the like oldest christians on the damn planet <laughs> like the ethiopian some- empire was christian before yeah. Rome was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, so the Bible didn't consider Black people a different kind. It certainly didn't consider them inferior. It didn't think about it like that. Like, they, they, race didn't exist back then. I the mean, only thing, the only thing skin I color wish, existed. The only thing I wish I could find before my grandfather passes away is a wonderful Vietnamese woman I could date. <laughs> <laughs> Careful I think then would cause him to roll. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering where we were going to go with that one. Okay. That black people, it's Vietnamese because. Oh, maybe that'd kill him. He served three tours, and the last tour was a POW. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Viet Cong did all the right things, but we should never have been there. No, we shouldn't have. But it was our whole fuck the communist thing. But the thing is, like, the Vietnamese communists, are, although they were supported by the USSR, they had their own, like, revolution and everything. Yeah. They had their own, it was their own thing. And we decided, not today, commies. 
Because God forbid we let a country have its own autonomy. You know, oh right? God, no! Especially, especially if they're going to give human dignity to workers. <laughs> After World War II, which I actually had a conversation about this. After World War II, I think every war after that we should have never been in. But then when you really start looking at World War II, I, it, I, I don't know. I, I again, I don't with, know with either. Water. Because obviously, like liberating the camps was a good thing for the most part, except for the games right. that we left in them. Um, I can understand why we'd want to go take out Japan because they bombed the hell out of us. Not really no, Japan was, gonna, Japan was going to surrender. Yeah, Japan was already... Well, I'm saying Pearl Harbor. You know, they attacked Pearl Harbor. Right. And so that, that did drag us into that war. But it should not have ended with the it exclamation did. point it, it ended with. You know? No, no, it definitely should not have. They were trying to surrender. Yep. And we said, no, fuck you both. A lot, oh, of, you know, lot of interesting history they, they don't teach you in school. You know? oh, <laughs> the Japanese are still very sour about that. As a matter of fact, you see some of that in their animes, as a matter of fact. Yeah, no, they have a lot of feelings about that national trauma. Yeah, yeah watch yeah, Grave yeah, of the yeah, Fireflies if you really want to yeah. fucking cry. Well, <laughs> you know, the movie oh, no, like no, the original no, no. Godzilla, and yeah. there was the yeah. one that was the, the, which was retitled in America, The Attack on the Mushroom People, which was another, another, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. No, <laughs> no, like, I mean, I, I obviously I feel for I feel for him, you know. I and I and I I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say that feudal Japan was a, like a utopia, um, but that's not to say that U.S. capitalists did a good job in addressing it. And it's it's really quite sad well, because a lot of the industrialization of Japan has. Um, that was during the Meiji Reformation, and that was a very prosperous time for that country because th- that was when they finally decided to open to the rest of the world. Right. So, because for the longest time, they were like we're trying to be right now, where we shut off the borders and we just isolate ourselves. Yeah, and I'm not an isolationist by any means. Like I'm no, not going to sit no, no. there and say like they should have been isolationist. But you know, no. I think they got uh, the ultimate revenge on the United States. If you really think about every culture that we've really treated like shit, and Native Americans... <laughs> About all the casinos they own and all the money they take from the white man, which is beautiful. Well, it's and the Chinese and the Japanese. How much? Uh, how much import do we have from them? Matter of fact, the company I work for is having a fit because of Trump's trade war. Well, we're we're, <laughs> we're losing a really good outdoor company here in Utah here pretty soon called Black Diamond. Some people probably know of their gear. What they're, Black Diamond? Yeah, they're going to China. Yep. They're they're getting rid of all the jobs. Luckily, they're treating their workers nice, giving them a severance, helping them find other jobs. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. This but thing. they're like, well, we need to innovate and come up with lighter and cheaper materials. So China, here we come. Even yes, though there's a terrible lighting, didn't do that when they left yes. where I live. They you know what we like, need to is just reform capitalism, guys. Like it's yeah. just reforming it. That'll so fix. You, it. You're asking the rich people to actually give up their riches. Oh, I, yeah, I want to take it from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, it'd be nice to see it happen, but I, maybe not in my lifetime. I don't know. That's why I'm a propagandist out, out here, being a propagandist. Because you get enough people convinced, they can't stop us all. <laughs> we really need to put her in Russian paraphernalia and make her propaganda girl. What, what, what's really, what's really going to happen is it's going to be some rando hacker with a quantum computer is going to crack into a lot of things at the same time, have backdoors set into them, and just going to either wipe the ledger clean for everybody, or they'll find a way of redistributing it to other people, That which would be the best method, but at the same time, that's never going to happen. But, I mean, as much as I think that Fight Club is like some sort of, like, teenage, you know, man porn that's going on that all these guys seem to love and love and love, the only thing I liked about it is the fact that they tried to blow up the credit card companies. But the only really problem with that, like that, I know that you were supposed to think that was bad, but I was like, see how that's bad. That wiping out everybody's debt. They like specifically Imagine made sure, like there was no people left in the building. Yeah, like it was empty blocks because it was just like a complex of financial companies. I was just like, I'm not sure what's wrong. <laughs> Sounds like, like X likes us. That money is Let's still spent, right? The poor people still spend that money. How are you going to collect that debt? All your information's gone. It's gone. <laughs> That's gone. Gone. Only, only problem is I know how big data works, and it's even worse now with blockchain. I know everybody's like, oh, blockchain this, blockchain that. No. 
fucking blockchain is, <laughs> is the scourge of existence right now because there's no getting rid of the data. You know? um, it's everywhere. So yeah, cool. So right. <laughs> um, but you know, communism killed a hundred million people, even though that number is not accurate by any stretch of the imagination. But let's not talk about the capitalism death toll. <laughs> like we're not going to bring that up. Like I, one of one of my favorite things that I hear from Republicans is how many people disappeared because of Hillary Clinton. I'm like, how many people? Oh, please for her. <laughs> please, I'm so sick and tired of the Clinton body count. I'm, I'm tired of. Now, and now they're saying. That a couple of policemen in New York City have committed suicide, and they're linking that saying Hillary had them killed. And that Hillary supposedly had Jeff Jeffrey Epstein. She tried to kill him. And oh, oh please, please. But we know the government killed JFK, so you can't blame him on Hillary. I bet you they're trying, but you know. I saw a meme of somebody transporting back to the the same year where JFK was assassinated and that's the time driver talking to an FBI agent and he's like wait what year is it and they tell him what year it is and he's like is this before or after the assassination he says before and the guy looks at him like <laughs> oh that's good that's messed up <laughs> no Celia uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency are fine except they're being co-opted now by larger banks so I mean you have Facebook wanting to create its own currency. God, no! Which is yes. really oh. fucking bad news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. That, that, I think I'm going to put the nail in Facebook here pretty soon. I, I need to really not use that fucking platform anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I, I use it the way that it should be used. You centrists know? otherwise. <laughs> I know, but like... I use it the way that it should be treated, where you have like a handful of friends and you can kind of talk with each other about stuff and plan things and laugh about stuff with each other and, you know, see interesting groups out there. I'm not one of those power users, like certain local people that have like 5,000 fucking people following them on uh, Facebook. And it's like, who's making noise on their camera or their mic? Oh, like, that, that, no, that may be me. I had to go grab some of my pills. Oh, okay. It just got real noisy there for a second. It was just I'm like, sorry, Felicia, but oh, I didn't. Oh, fine, I, I had a, no, I had a paint spasm, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I no, apologize for that. I was just like, I was, I was literally just trying to like make you maybe be aware. Like, yeah. I wasn't actually upset with you. You do <laughs> not need to apologize for taking care of yourself, please. Please don't feel like I was actually upset with you because I, yeah, I no, was actually something we have down here in South. Like if anybody has some sort of ailments, they are quick to to chastise you for going to the doctor, having to take medicine and shit like that. It's freaking ridiculous. I have people in my family that think that going to see a psychologist or psychiatrist yes. is. And down uh, here, yeah, yeah, why it's not supposed to have emotions. So why are you, why would you want to go do something like that? That, that they don't actually help you out. They just put you on pills. But I'm not that, and right. I know that it's hard to break these habits or these expectations from the outside world. But uh, just know, like, I'm not actually upset at anyone if they need to take right. medicine for themselves. My goodness, I would never ever be. <laughs> and I don't care what kind of medicine it is. Oh no, it, it's antiarthritic, and then I'm still trying to recover from the Humira IV I had on Friday. That oh, I take that now, and it's it, it's just getting progressively rougher. Because the dosage is becoming higher. I'm so sorry. That's rough. Sorry to hear I've, that. I've been so intensely fortunate, and I and I come from a line of genetics that's ridiculously well off. Like, like I don't know. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, my family's just healthy. And I wish I could smoke a couple joints, and then I wouldn't have to have a needle stuck in my arm every three or four, six weeks. But I can't do that. It doesn't work. Yeah, well, and I would like to be able to use cyclocybin regularly and know exactly what dosage <laughs> I'm getting about once a month, but I can't. So, because that's what I need. Like, that's it's been shown to be really effective for PTSD, and that's what I need. But so I feel you. I feel you, because, like, <laughs> the yeah. drugs you actually need that are safer and better and cheaper, you're not allowed to possess or buy in any easy way because we want you to spend eight thousand dollars a year on this kind of medicine you know that might help you 
Oh, what I love is one of the biggest hospitals in Alabama decided that they're no longer going to carry uh, United Healthcare anymore, which means I like everybody I work with and probably about half of the county that I live in. If we needed to go to UAB for whatever crazy reason. UAB, I know them. Yeah, considering they're one of the bigger hospitals mm-hmm. in Alabama. They yeah, I made way too many phone calls into them. They suck. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated. No, yeah, well, no, fuck. Um, gay capitalism, that's why. Capitalism, choice. Choice and freedom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, um, like freedom. Like when I had Blue Cross, or I, I prefer to call it Screw Cross, when I was first diagnosed <laughs> with rheumatoid arthritis. And the bean counter there would not approve my claims for the IVs that I needed. And they kept saying, oh, you don't need that. You just need to take Tylenol. So I wound up having to pay for the Humira IVs out of my own pocket for eight months until I was able to switch. And that's one of the few things that's one of the few good things that's still left with federal civil service. Every year you got an open season where you at least have a, a selection of a different health insurance companies. Yeah. So Kaiser, Kaiser let me switch over and Kaiser covers them with a $50 copayment. Which Jesus is a lot Christ, easier than the eight hundred dollars that I. <laughs> no, I had to borrow on my Mastercard. Holy for shit! Eleven months. Let's see. The insurance I have is good. Best healthcare system in the world. Obamacare's yeah, ruining the healthcare system. But you know what kills me? What really kills me about about Screw Cross is here in California is that they actually paid their bean counters incentives to deny claims and. For those that deny the most claims, hey, they got little perks like they could go two weeks to Cancun. They could go on a cruise that was just paid for by Screw Cross. <laughs> yeah. They all so that's that. where the money's going. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Toothman that's, says. That's your wealth redistribution right there <laughs> is a work trip that's disguised as a vacation. It's not a vacation. It's still a work trip. <laughs> Uh, Bruce Toothman says the drug companies don't want to cure anything because then you'll have to quit buying the treatments. Yeah. I mean, not, not all of them. Not necessarily. I mean, the the companies probably, but that's not necessarily true of like all your hospitals and like when it comes to palliative care, they want to keep you sick enough that you have to use them. But there's certain things where they're like, well, if if we let this disease kill them, (laughs) it's not going to, they're not going to be any good to us. So when I was growing up, I had severe allergies. I remember having to carry around an EpiPen. My father about passed out when I had to spend, when, you know, he spent about $800 for an EpiPen. Now it's like $8,000 for an EpiPen. <laughs> Which is, 800 was ridiculous. It was. And we were on Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alabama when he was, you know, still a police officer. So granted, it wasn't $800. I think he paid like a tenth of that. But for the fact that it costed that much, and if I had to get another one before, I used it or needed to have a backup or whatever. You had to pay full price for the second. And that's what I'm saying. So oh for God. it to be $800 without insurance is ridiculous. He's like, so you want people to die for $800? Yep. Well, see, yeah, initially, the blue plans were non-profit. But then mm-hmm. under, Nick, first when, under Nixon in 1974, when he signed the, his um, health care, his health bill, his, um, what is that, the HMO bill that he signed in 73 and 74, then they had the option of demutualizing and, and becoming for profit. And right. Yeah, it's oh. all fucked up. All right. <laughs> all right, we need to run. We got to go do the regular show. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Sorry that I wasn't here for most of it. That's a story for another day. So. <laughs> I think we entertained. We did. And thank you so I much for that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start hanging up over here. I'm going to put you to the buy screen and I'm going to hit the the mute thing. So, good night everybody. Have a have a good week.
Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.